Thank you, Frank. And uh, I hope this will be a season of wonder where you will gain that wonder that maybe you once had and maybe you need to carry it forward. So if you have your Bibles, thank you, Frank, for blessing us with that, and Murray. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3? And I want to kind of get you in, as Frank has already started with us, and the choir started, and the songs that we've sung, kind of get you in the Christmas mood as we start towards the Christmas mood. Um, I just want to say one comment. Um, the offering ought to really go up today, because the Alabama fans, it really ought to go up. I, I expected to run real high today. Some prayers were answered in the last part. And uh, God heard the Alabama fans, and he didn't hear the Auburn fans. So life goes on. Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, also, I want to pray for several people that uh, need prayer in our church. John Moore, you know John and, and his wife Debbie. John's in the hospital in St. Vincent's, and his, uh, their daughter Ashley is in UAB and going through a rough time, and Alfred Stewart is in the Vaughn, and Gary Anderson is in the Vaughn. And also, uh, Joe Sexton uh, asked me to pray as we pray, uh, remembering our prayers, Mike Sexton. I, I just think the world of Mike. Mike is a coach at Morgan. He coached my son at Morgan, and he really did a got, good job coaching him. But I think uh, Mike's face, facing heart problems. So anyway, put those on your list and remember them in your prayers. Now, as we uh, get towards Christmas, the singing has been great, and there's a lot of singing, good songs and bad songs, and there's a lot of dangers that are in Christmas as we look at Christmas. One of the dangers is that Santa Claus begins to be more prominent than Jesus Christ, and one of the things that happen is he is pushed forward and the center of attention. Um, and I'm not against Santa Claus. I'm putting up my stockings and all that, and I hope that he'll come see me. But <laughs> the focus of attention is the promise of God that was fulfilled in the garden and brought forward to a place called Bethlehem. And we can miss that, and it can be a danger. And another danger is that we buy Lexus. So if you see more Lexus commercials on television, they get open presents that go outside, and then there Santa Claus has brought them a Lexus or something outside, and that's pushed. But we spend more than we have, and uh, the commercialism on television drives that. And it's um, a spin, spin, spin kind of time. And some people spend so much money on Christmas that they have to pay for it the rest of the year. So there's a danger. But I think the biggest danger uh, to me is the build-up and then the letdown. There's this build-up about putting Christmas decorations up and all that's happening. I, I really like Christmas decorations and all the lights. But then there's a letdown after Christmas and things go back the way they used to be. And I hope this Christmas is a good thing that uh, Frank has kind of kicked us off in saying there's a certain wonder that's there, that all of this is happening and there's a God within us and has made that promise a long time ago 
and is fulfilling that promise in Jesus Christ. And he comes in the weakest form that could possibly be. He comes in the weakest form of a little baby that was born in a manger in a place called Bethlehem. Uh, now, what I'd like for you to do is just turn to somebody next to you and tell them your favorite Christmas song. Would you do that? Just turn to somebody next to you and tell them what your favorite Christmas song is. Now, there are several. I think White Christmas is kind of the most popular one. Of, um, mine is uh, Santa Baby. Amen. You just, just <laughs> hurry down the chimney tonight. Amen. And I asked Murray if he'd play it, and he said he could play it, but it's not in the hymnal, so we're not going to sing anything that is not in the hymnal. Um, I think mine is Mary Did You Know. And it's amazing to me how a guy like Mark Lowry, who is such a comic and such a cut-up, could get so serious and have the words in that. And the last part of that, the baby you delivered will someday deliver you. Amen. That's a beautiful line that he's put in there. Um, the Christmas song is written by a guy named Mel Tomé. And Mel Tarme was in 1945 when he was, um, had to add a Christmas song to their Christmas album. It's amazing how many singers have a Christmas album. And he was in California at the time, and they wanted him to write the song. And it was in the summertime when it's hot in California. And so he was raised in New York, so he, he used that as his kind of... Um, imagination went back to the time when he was a child and he remembered all those things that happened at Christmas time and he wrote the words of that chestnuts roasting over an open fire and he gets to that last part and from kids from uh, 1 to 79 that's my age <laughs> Merry Christmas to all and he paints a beautiful picture it's called the Christmas song and it's a beautiful way a lot of people will spend Christmas because that song is without Jesus. It doesn't mention Jesus anywhere. It's a beautiful song. And it paints a picture of what a large portion of our culture will be celebrating Christmas. And they will put up uh, kind of activity scenes and rather than nativity scenes. And all that goes on, and kind of Christ is kind of pushed to the side. But what an amazing thing it was that God would come to us just like he promised. I, I had a wedding several years ago that, in Fairhope, and the, two, and the couple wrote their lines to their wedding, their vows to the wedding. And she said this in her vows, I promise to love you. When I am right and you are wrong. And it's one thing to put that in print. It's another thing to live that out in your lives. And she went back on a vow. She made a promise. 
and a promise that's so hard to keep. And long ago, God made a promise in the middle of the garden, in the middle of a place where brokenness was right there in front of him. He made a promise. And all the Old Testament is about him fulfilling that promise and waiting for the right time for the promise to come. And then in Luke 2, it tells us that the promise came in the place called Bethlehem when she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a feeding trough. Now let's look at that promise, and if you have your Bibles, uh, would you look at verse 15, and in honor of God's word, would you stand as, uh, as we read that verse? Very short verse, but it will change the world. Chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 15. And I will put hostility or enmity, is the word, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. This is Satan talk, uh, this is against Satan. And he shall bruise your he uh, heel or you, he shall bruise thy head. And you see that he, that's a capital he. That introduces the promise of Jesus that will come into this world, the he. He shall bruise your head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. There's going to be a struggle. But the he that is promised will cast, will be the winning person. And for that, we have a hope. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. And as you're seated, look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, if you have your Bible. It's a kind of uh, introduction verse to the whole Bible. In the beginning, God made heaven and earth. And the earth was without form. And there was darkness and emptiness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, God spoke at the beginning, he still speaks. When you're there sitting in your pew, God has this opportunity to speak to you. And he has to speak to us in our heart. When you and I pray, we talk to God. But also, as we pray, there's the opportunity for God to speak to us. And I hope as we um, are here today, and, this, and something about being in church together, that the presence of the Lord is here with us in a very powerful way. And there's a promise where two or three are gathered together, then there his presence is with us. And so God spoke at the beginning and God continues to speak. And he speaks like six or seven times. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And what God said happened, happened. It was called, it's called in, in literary terms a language event as it goes out in the power of God's voice. It's created just like God said it was created. In chapter 2, uh, he turns to the fact of when God created man, which is the crown of his creation, 
God created the creation in six days, and he did such a good job, he decided to rest on the Sabbath day. Amen? Or the day, excuse me, the day of rest. But he, he sets a pattern for you and me to make that a point of time in our day, in our week, to make that a pattern that we are to worship God. In chapter 2, he comes back and tells us about the making of man and how mankind was made. And God created man and woman, and he created man and woman in the image of God. That is, you and I are God's image bearers. We bear God's image. And he placed them in the best setting that could possibly be. In verse 27 of chapter 1, it says, And God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created them. So you and I are God's image bearers. And he has a plan for my life, and he has a plan for your life. And when you and I were born, there was a purpose that God brought us in the world for. And he wants to encourage you and give you the strength to fulfill that kind of purpose that God created you for. Then he talks about how that happened in the garden. In, well, excuse me, chapter 2. So verse 15, And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and told him to farm it, till it, do all those things about it. And the Lord, every tree of the garden you may freely eat. So he had... He didn't have uh, meat that day, amen? Didn't have barbecue or ribs. There were no barbecue or ribs. Or Koneka sausage. Oh, man, I passed by Koneka sausage. And it just reaches out to me. But he gave him one rule, and the one rule was this. Don't eat of the tree. Don't eat of the tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, there, he expanded that. Now there are Ten Commandments and probably even more rules than that. But the world was less complex at that time, and so they only had one rule. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Something was missing in Adam's life. I mean, he was a place there that needed to be filled. And God brought all the animals for Adam to name. And he, and he gives, still gives you and I the ability, uh, the freedom to name our situation. And he named all the animals. See, that looked like a camel. Or that looks like a hippopotamus or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he's going to see that in the middle of that, that something's missing in his life. All the animals had a date, but Adam, he didn't have a date. And so God caused a sleep, deep sleep, to fall upon Adam. And he took his rib and he fashioned the woman. I think it's a beautiful verse how he fashioned her. Okay, so be careful, how, men, how you fall asleep in church. You may, may lose a rib. But let me tell you, it's worth losing a rib for, Amen. So there was, a, there was a marriage in the garden and the uh, first marriage. And uh, God brought the woman to the man. He'd been naming all these animals. And so um, he brought um, Eve to Adam and 
in the marriage ceremony there in the garden. I think that's great. And, and so Adam gave a, a song. It's the first song that's in the Bible. And he says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Now, you will never see that on a Valentine card anywhere. That's the worst line you can think of. And I'm sure you ladies would want something better than some kind of line better than that. But it's a song that says, I thank God for her and I accept her just like she is. And so Adam and Eve were in the perfect place in a perfect setting. And God was with them. He would come to them in the cool of the day. Because even though they were in the perfect setting and even though they were in the perfect place, they needed to kind of recharge those spiritual batteries. And you and I need to recharge our spiritual batteries. And God would walk with them in the cool of the day. Everything seemed to be well except for the fact that Eve kept looking at that tree. She kept hanging around that tree. And it's something about the forbidden that draws us to it, the power of the forbidden. Um, yesterday I was in Publix and I went by the ice cream place that they had all the ice cream. And... Um, they had uh, peppermint bark on sale. Oh, my, they had peppermint bark on sale. So I looked at it, and um, I kept going. And then something kind of pulled me back. I don't know what it was. Uh, pulled me back to that peppermint bark that was there on sale. So I looked at it again, and I walked away. And then I looked at it again, and I walked away. And so finally, I opened the door, pulled out the peppermint bark, and looked at it real close. And uh, all of a sudden, I said, you know, I need the vitamins and minerals that are in this peppermint bark. And so I bought that peppermint bark. I think Eve was kind of there. Something about that, that traction of the forbidden it pulls us towards it. And she ate of that fruit. There was another voice in the garden, and he was a scammer. And we live in a world of scammers. Uh, I had a guy that called me the other day, said he was from AT&T. His voice sounded like Darth Vader. <laughs> and he said that uh, a couple of my orders had been compromised, and if I would give him certain information, then he would help me out with my orders. And I put the stop button because they're scammers. And during Christmas time, they're more scammers than any other time. And you know who buys into that is the young couples because they buy, they buy so much online and they're online. In fact, there's a puppy scam. Do you know there's a puppy scam? Seems to be the biggest scam. And the puppy scam is this. They show you a puppy that's on the phone, and it looks so cute and so cuddly, and you can buy it. You pay for it up front, but the puppy never shows up. But there's a world of scammers, and here was a scamming voice 
in the garden. And he talks, and he talks a good voice. And he has a good sale. And he said to Eve, you certainly will not die. God's just trying to keep things from you. Go ahead, eat of the fruit. It's okay. You won't die. And he's really good at what he sells. And she ate of the fruit. And immediately, her eyes were opened in that fact that she saw, she felt, and she felt what it was to disobey God. And sin entered this world. It's not only sin, but death entered this world. And she gave to her husband, and he did eat. And I wonder where he was in the middle of that. It says they were together there when Satan is speaking. And I wonder where Adam's voice was. And I wonder if Adam had stood up and spoke up and said, that's wrong for us to do this. But as a silence of Adam when he should have spoken up. So they're in the world of brokenness. And this is where this comes in. The Lord God put enmity. If you got look at verse 15 again. He put enmity, hostility between uh, Satan and the woman. But there's this heat. It's going to be a struggle. A big struggle. And God uh, is put into the he that he will hit the blow that will be the knockout blow to Satan. But it will be years and years to come about. And he still speaks, even though he's going to have that knockout blow. And one of these days, he's going to be placed in a, in a pit and be done away with. And I'm going to be glad when that's going to happen. But until that time, there's going to be this struggle. And you and I will always have a struggle with Satan as he comes to us with that voice. And he ties us, talks to us about compromising those places where you and I struggle with. This is he that's promised. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Isaiah? He, Isaiah gives us a better picture of the one that's coming. And Isaiah is only about 2,000 years from when Jesus is born. But in chapter 9, he gives us a picture of who it was that's coming. And Isaiah is the most quoted of all the uh, prophets in the New Testament, Isaiah was quoted by John the Baptist. He's quoted by Jesus. And he is one of the great writers of the New Testament. He's the longest of all the uh, prophetic books. And here's what he writes. That's a picture. It's a time of darkness. And the promise of the Messiah is coming in a time of darkness. And the nation of Israel was in a dark. They were being oppressed by Assyria in the world. And so they're given this promise. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now Handel made that a part of his uh, hallelujah chorus. And is one of the greatest composers that has ever lived. 
And so he wrote this, and he wrote this in, and put this in his Hallelujah course, and he put this in when he was so destitute, but he was a uh, man who loved the Lord, but he had fallen on hard times. And he says when he wrote this, it was like the Lord was sitting beside him, putting all this in his heart. And when you hear that Hallelujah course, you will just hear what is, and it's so powerful that it made a king stand up. And King George heard it, and he stood up. Here's the promise of Messiah. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful Counselor. That it is he as a wonderful counselor. He knows the problem that you and I face, and he also has a solution for that problem. He's a wonderful counselor. He knows exactly and when he looked at people, Jesus looked at people in his earthly ministry. He could tell, this is your problem. Here's what can happen. And he was a wonderful counselor. He was a mighty God. And he told the winds to hush. There were times that I wish I could tell my kids to hush. And he told the demons, come out. And they came out. He is a mighty God, and he can forgive sins. And when they brought a man on a pallet to him and put him down through the hole in the, in the place where they were meeting, he looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. And all the critics said, only God can do that. And Jesus is a mighty God who can do that. He is the everlasting Father. And when Jesus introduced people in, in his ministry to God, he would introduce them as the Father. Nobody spoke that could speak like him. And when he spoke to people, they talked about my Father, and, and the prayer is our Father who art in heaven. And he te teaches us about a Father in heaven who loves us very much. And without Jesus, God is some far-off power. But in Jesus, he is our Father, and we can go to him. I, I like the uh, Aramaic word there is Abba. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Abba. When he was in the garden, he prayed, Abba. And when you and I have those moments when life seems to crush in on us, we say, Father. Without Jesus, God is a far-off power. But in Jesus Christ, he is our Father. He is a Prince of Peace. And he brings peace to disturbed situations. And we're living in a world of disturbed situations. But what he gives us more than anything, he gives us an inside peace. Whatever life throws us, God has a peace that he offers. And when the angels sang outside of Bethlehem, they talked about God's peace that comes to us. In the middle of a disturbed world in which we struggle with so many things, God brings us his peace. So here's the promise. 
It was made in the garden. It was carried out in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And it happened in a place called Bethlehem because the promise was, the promise was to David. And God always fulfills his promise. Whatever God promises, he always fulfills. In Bethlehem, he came in the form of a little baby, but he didn't stay there. He came to go to the cross to pay the price for you and I to have salvation. Now, I read about a group from Campus Crusade who were basketball players, and they would play basketball to different teams throughout the country, and, and so um, they took these big basketball players, tall basketball players, to a leper colony, and they asked one of the basketball players if he would pray, and so he said this, and, and in fact, he was in the worst place. These were place called the last place that is the place where they were going to die there was no other hope that it had and so as he prayed he said thank you lord for our lord and savior jesus christ and as he prayed that prayer all these lepers began to say amen and amen and amen and amen it was like a chorus was going up in the middle of that place that was so hopeless that they were that was the only thing they had and he said, amen, 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 amen. And the translator just stopped um, the basketball player making his prayer. And he said, I'm so sorry that they interrupted you. But you see, Jesus is the only hope that they have. Without him, there is no hope. Jesus is our only hope. And the promise was made thousands of years ago and brought forward in the manger in Bethlehem. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Now, if you have your hymnals, would you turn with me to, um, I think it's, One ninety, I wrote somewhere. One ninety-two, okay. One ninety-six, yeah. Thank you. If you look at the bottom of a little little town of Bethlehem, you will see who wrote this song. He's a preacher named Philip Brooks. And he's one of the greatest preachers who ever lived. He lived in, uh, during the time of the Civil War. And he was a pastor in Philadelphia as well as a pastor later on in Boston. And there were so many funerals that he did that it really just kind of squeezed the life out of him. And in fact, he did, he was a pastor that did Abraham Lincoln's funeral. And um, he just got down and he just got run out. He was burnt out. And so his church sent him to uh, on a tour through Europe and a tour through Israel. 
And on Christmas Eve, he was just struggling within himself, trying to reignite his spiritual passion. Because life can do that. It can just suck the life out of you. And so he's trying to reignite his spiritual passion. And so he, he got on a horse in Jerusalem with a couple of guides, and he went to Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. And rode where the traditional site was, and he went to see uh, where the um, naming of the traditional site of the um, where Jesus was born. And somehow, in the middle of that, then God reignited something that he had lost and that life had pulled out of him. And if you look at those last verses, he brings together some thoughts. And all this song just kind of comes from his experience there in the streets in Bethlehem. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. Where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. At any prayer... The last line. Oh, come to us. Abide with us. Our Lord. Emmanuel. Now, would you just kind of bow your heads right now? Would you do that? Christmas is about a God who loves us so much that he will move heaven and earth to bring you to himself. And when this life is over and all is done, he offers us the opportunity of being with him forever and ever and ever. And you cannot find that on Wall Street. You can't find that in any store in town. You can only find that in the promise made in the Garden of Eden and fulfilled in Bethlehem. You can only find it in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hear these words again. And would you just kind of in your heart just hear these words again? Maybe you've never made that prayer. Maybe you need to make that prayer again. Oh, come to us. Oh, come to me. Abide with me. I open my heart for you to come in and invade my life. Oh, Lord, Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means God with us. And wherever you are right now, it's a good time to just open that heart of yours and let maybe God refresh you. Maybe for the first time you've never made that decision. Maybe this is the time to make that decision. Father, hear our voice today. Hear our hearts. Be close to us as we begin a Christmas season. It can be so worldly that it's a point that comes to us and 
and it's fulfilled and then there's this big letdown and then we go back to life as it's always been. Forgive us for that. Help us to make this Christmas that special Christmas that only you can bring to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.